All right, getting into a very talented 2023 rookie class, there are a lot of guys that are projected to go now in the third and fourth round of Dynasty rookie drafts that we think you should be taking a look at and taking a shot at when it comes time to draft these rookies. Onto your Dynasty team. We're going to look at all those guys with Jeremy today. He has joined us on the show. First, make sure you like this video and make sure you subscribe to the channel. We've got content like this coming out all off-season, Dynasty content, rookie content, etc. Make sure you head over to our Locals page and check out our Discord. We've got listener leagues open now, so if you want to get in a league with us, make sure you jump over to Locals. We've got a couple open now. You can jump up in and play some Dynasty with us. All right, Jeremy, back uh, obviously, he knows everything about rookies that there ever was to know. So we got to bring him on to tell us kind everything. Yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, but especially, actually, legitimately, I was like, we need to have Jeremy for this video because I don't know if I can talk about these guys for 20 <laughs> minutes. And Jeremy could probably talk about one of them for 20 minutes. So um, we're going to go through here and um, just go through these names that we've picked out. It's really early in the process. So so we we absolutely realize that. Um, you know, I think this is going to change. I think some of these guys that are sleepers are going to jump up into being not sleepers. I think some of these guys that are sleepers are going to end up being overdrafted because everybody's going to get high on them at the same time. So you have to take this with a grain of salt. But these are kind of the guys that are not popular names right now that you're probably not hearing a ton of uh, that we think are going to be true sleepers in this 2023 rookie cycle. The first one being Ty J. Spears. Now, if you're on Dynasty Twitter, you're probably... Like, uh, Tiger Spears isn't really a sleeper anymore because everybody's been in on him. Well, outside of Dynasty Sleep, or outside of Dynasty Twitter, you're not hearing a whole lot about Tiger Spears. Uh, out of Tulane, and you know, it's kind of funny. Jeremy did a thread, I think, on on Tiger Spears and the like athletic director and the head coach and the assistant coach of Tulane was actually like retweeting Jeremy's stuff, which is <laughs> kind of cool. But Jeremy, tell us a little bit about what you kind of dove into with, with Ty J Spears. I know you've looked at him in depth. I know he's being picked as a popular uh, sleeper in the running back position, maybe working his way up some ranks. So tell us what you like about him and, and why he's kind of starting to get some more attention from people on Twitter in Dynasty. Well, I, I and I think you're right. I think he still categorizes as, as a sleeper because, I don't know, like four days ago, a lot of people probably didn't even know who Tajay Spears was before right. the Senior Bowl happened. He came in at the Senior Bowl five nine and a half, two oh four though, so he weighed in over two hundred pounds, which was a big threshold for him as a smaller running back. So you like to see that overall, though, for like Tajay Spears, he, he suffered an ACL injury his sophomore year in college, and you know most times, even in the NFL, it takes you like a year to, to really get back to, to being. The running back that you were after an ACL injury. So this senior year, he kind of came out his last eight games of the season. He had like 130 carries for over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, I think, and then a receiving touchdown as well. So, I, I mean, he, he played really well the last two months of the season. Um, another thing that I really like about him is like his, his uh, scheme versatility. So if you look at all the 2023 running backs in this class, he is the most even split between zone running schemes and gap running schemes. So that means that he's going to be able to be able to plug and play in whatever offense that he's going to be drafted to, and he's going to be efficient as soon as it starts up. Yeah, I think he's one of the best receiving backs in this class. You can see a lot of a lot of tape of him working the sideline, getting his toes down. He works the slot pretty well. But yeah, he's he's really good. He's really good at a lot of facets of the game when it comes to running the ball too. Yeah. I like Tajay Spears. Absolutely. Yeah, it was probably about a month ago where I first started um, kind of looking into Spears, looking at his film for the first time. And I remember we did a little 
uh, video on some some running backs to look at when we were doing a mock draft, and, and I was saying, like, hey, Ty J. Spears is one of these guys that could definitely jump up draft boards. Jeremy, you were on that before any of us were. But, I mean, from the, the first day that I watched his film, it was, you know, one of those guys, one of those college prospects where you're like, whoa. Like he has, <laughs> he, he has explosiveness that, that, I mean, you would never have guessed that he tore his ACL his sophomore season. Like he, he was so good, so efficient, so effective as a rusher this past season, his senior year at Tulane and um, re- really liked what I saw. Obviously, you know, his, his biggest moment was going to be, you know, tearing up USC um, in, awful in, in running the bowl game. But, but honestly, yeah. yeah, that I, like you said, USC's running defense just wasn't that great. So Kind of look beyond that, look at what he was able to do throughout the season, dive into more of his film, um, see what you guys think about him. Let us know what you think about him in the comments. Um, if you think that he could be jumping up draft boards, going higher in the NFL draft, then we may even think, but he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And so far, I mean, everything that you've said, Jeremy, is exactly why I, I really, really like him as a, as a prospect. Um, there is a potential, though, like Avery has said, there is a risk that he could be overdrafted and too heavily invested in before the NFL draft even comes because I mean I the uh, the flip side is Ty J Spears could become one of those draft day darlings where regardless of where he goes in the NFL draft people will continue to be high on him we saw that with every QB in last year's rookie class and of course none of them did anything because they didn't have the draft capital if Ty J Spears doesn't get respectable draft capital I'm I'm there, there's only so far so high he can go in dynasty in terms of value. So be careful of that for sure. You took my talking point. Now I have nothing to say, <laughs> but I guess I'll start with Eric Gray. Uh, Eric Gray is going to be our next sleeper and, um, you know, hyper productive at Oklahoma this year. This is a guy that uh, Simon S. Denny domain, Simon Denny domain, S. Denny, Simon. He <laughs> really liked Eric Gray from the, he's all oh, Eric Gray, Eric Gray. But to be fair, I don't think Simon's ever watched a rookie that he's not been like, Wow, Whoa. that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I took it with a grain of salt when Simon sent me his name. <laughs> but um, I mean, look at what he did at Oklahoma this year in 12 games. He had 213 rushing attempts for 1,364 yards. He also had 33 receptions for 229 yards. Uh, that's really good. And and obviously you're looking at that. He's playing in the Big 12. He's playing at Oklahoma, which is obviously a great football school, a great program. You know, he transferred in from Tennessee two years ago. He didn't do much there, and he honestly didn't do much last year, so he really did break out this year as a 23-year-old. And that's probably the biggest red flag, I think, with Eric Gray. I think, you know, he it took him a while to do a whole lot, and now that he has, I mean, he looks really good, but I, I don't think that NFL teams are necessarily going to be jumping over one another to go get Eric Gray. I think he's probably going to get day three capital, maybe day two, probably day three capital. It's just going to really depend on how he ends up testing out in the combine. Again, we saw he can he can be efficient on uh, touches like that. We saw that he can produce. Um, I haven't watched a whole lot of his film. Jeremy, I'm curious your thoughts on Eric Gray. I know you've watched some Eric Gray film. I think he's another guy that's gotten a little bit of notoriety on Dynasty Twitter. So Eric Gray was a huge name in like the Debbie community when he was at, when he at Tennessee. Um, because he had a lot of the, the same similarities of another former Tennessee running back, um, Alvin Kamara, that he was the guy that was a good receiving threat out of the backfield. At the Senior Bowl, he came in at 5'9", 210. That's really good BMI for that for that height. But he, he kind of suffered from the inefficiency of the overall offensive scheme there at Tennessee. 
I mean, Cedric Tillman suffered from it. Jalen Hyatt suffered from it. Um, overall, for those first couple of years that he was there at Tennessee, it just wasn't it just wasn't good. And a lot of people thought that him going to Oklahoma last season with Lincoln Riley as the head coach that he was going to take that next step and probably declare last season. Um, it just didn't work out that way. Kennedy Brooks um, kind of kept him off the field a little bit, and the receiving upside wasn't really there. This year, though, he was the lead back, and like you said about his stats, he was really good. What there's a clip going around from him at the Senior Bowl of him catching a ball on the flat, and he gives this crazy like dead leg jab step. Um, he he's really flashed his ability to be a receiving back, and definitely did it at the Senior Bowl. And I, a lot of a lot of uh, analysts were speaking very highly of him after his Senior Bowl uh, tape. So, Eric Gray, like you said, I think he's probably going to end up being a J three pick if I had to guess, but there's a possibility to be a day two guy just because of how highly touted he was early on in his career. Yeah. I thought it was interesting seeing him. Not only is he just, he he's more than just a simple, like receiving back. Like they used him as a receiver in, in, in some of those plays at Oklahoma. Like he would be in the slot and like running routes, like, like basically everything we hoped that Antonio Gibson would be going into the NFL and with Washington is kind of like what I saw with Eric Gray, that that could be his potential upside if they used him as a receiver in the NFL. The problem is I, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Like you said already, Avery, the age and just, you know, his running ability is, is, is good. It's okay. There's some really promising um, film out there, some really promising plays where you see him, you know, run between the tackles and all of a sudden he finds this gap, he finds this hole, and I mean, boom, he, he's gone. He, he makes this crazy cut, very explosive, and, and then he gets 20 yards out of it. But then, you know, it, it's just, it was interesting to see his usage in that Oklahoma offense and, um, you know, whether that be out of the backfield or in the slot, I mean, they even went deep targeting Eric Gray sometimes on the outside. I, I just, it, like you said, Jeremy, that could be intriguing in this day and age for some NFL teams, especially seeing a guy like James Cook go in the second round, you know, targeting him, and he didn't really do a ton and in college. Bought, yeah. yeah, and he's not that great, but he, it was, people in the NFL looked at him, and, and it was enough for him to still go in the second round. So for Gray, I think that's definitely a, a, a guy to keep an eye on, and to see that he is able to be utilized as an actual receiver is, is pretty cool. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Our next guy here is going to be Xavier Hutchinson. I think you were the one that were you the one that said this or was Simon the one that suggested Xavier Hutchinson? It was probably him. Simon. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 again, I don't think there's, I think Simon is really high on just about everybody, but here, but obviously Xavier Hutchinson out of, at Hutchinson out of Iowa state. Um, he's got great hands. He's a bigger guy, so he's a bigger wide receiver. I think this is somebody maybe, you know, he's still only 22 years old. I think this is somebody maybe that actually legitimately could jump up in rookie drafts by the end of this. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Jeremy, on his kind of skill set and the tools that he has. Um, I think I think some of the intangibles are there. And I think when when I think at the end of the day, some of these wide receivers that are considered sleepers right now aren't necessarily going to be sleepers here in three months. But talk a little bit about his game and why he could potentially have the tools to jump up. So it's interesting because he's listed on the state website at 6'3", 210. Yep. And at the Senior Bowl, he was measured at 6'5", 205. He, 
he lost uh, one and a half inches from his time playing at college, the time that he's measured at, at the senior bowl. So mm. that knocked wow. him a little bit. Um, because while obviously it's him as like an receiver and that's not how big he is actually. So that knocked him a little bit. Um, he played at junior in a junior college. So he played at Bloomington College. So same college that Cam Newton played at after he got kicked off the Florida team for you know, laptops. So he was there for a couple of years, and then he transferred to Iowa State. He's been good at Iowa State. I believe he had like 160 targets this year, or something insane like that. So when you're talking about overall target share of an offense, you're talking about a 40 percent target share for Xavier Hutchinson this year. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean. He had a good he had a good year. He's a late breakout guy. So he, when you're looking at like the analytical community, a lot like people don't like the late breakout. But I, he also didn't have like a ton of opportunity to break out because, like I just said, he was playing junior college the first two years of his college career. Yeah, um, he's pretty he's pretty seen, uh, versatile though. Like they line him up all over the field and, and stuff like that. Uh, his hands are pretty good. He, he's pretty decent at high pointing the ball, but that would be a lot more appealing of a skill set had he had been 6'3", as opposed to him being six feet and a half. So that's just something to keep in mind that I, I think that could dock him a little bit. Uh, and he had, a, he had a relatively quiet week at the, the Senior Bowl as well. So if you're not talked about a lot at the Senior Bowl as like a standout wide receiver, it's a little concerning that you would, you would think if you were a very good receiver – at the senior bowl, people would be having a hard time covering you or you would be standing out. And that's not really any of the reports were heard from about Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. That's, that's funny that you said that about his height, because all I could think of when I was watching him and then thinking about his size was like, he's six, three, two ten. He has 10 pounds or he's supposed to have 10 pounds on QJ and he's just an inch shorter than QJ, but he does not play big at all. And in terms of like, like contested catch ability, it's not really there. He doesn't, elevate like I would expect for for a guy that was supposed to be as big as he was so that's definitely telling seeing that he's uh much smaller than we expected him to be um from I I will say a positive for him is I was really impressed with his separation um not just in, in his route running but when the ball is is coming to him and you know, from a contested catchability, he doesn't have that vertical contested catchability, but he is able to separate and get the ball, um, and, and get his hands on the ball away from the corner, like like with ease. And it's it's really, really encouraging and, and really fun to watch him do that on the outside. I would say um, a lot of his catches that he has are impressive. He's not afraid to lay out, um, and it's it, while I do like parts of that, it is funny to me that like a lot of times that he does lay out and catch the ball. Uh, it's, it's almost like he's not tracking it super well because he always like <laughs> he'll always lay out in like a really contorted way where it's like, you didn't really have to do that. You had plenty of time to track the ball and to adjust your body and your position on the field. And you just like, you had to, you had to lay out like three feet to your left or something. And then you didn't get a chance to, you know, get the extra yard because you had to, you had to go to the ground. Um, his, he definitely seems to me to go down pretty easily. I think he kind of over anticipates contact, 
um, especially in the middle of the field. When he's targeted in the middle of the field, he goes down uh, somewhat easily. Again, with his size that we know him to be now, that's a bit more understandable. So my expectations kind of change. I just hope that he's a little bit faster come combine because of that. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to Izzy Abanaconda. Uh, this is a guy that I actually like a lot. I think this will be the guy I like that's a value guy uh, in these rookie drafts if Spears moves up. So with Izzy, I think there's a lot to be said about his production as a rusher. You know, obviously 240 rushing attempts this year. He had 1,400 yards, um, you know, 21 total touchdowns this year, which is just bananas. But looking at what he kind of, you know, profiles as a complete player in football um he's a very good rusher i think he he bounces off of defenders i think he's got good acceleration he's not necessarily a burner but um you know i think he gets it done on the ground i think there's a lot of concern about his his ability to route run um i think some of that may be a little bit premature although he only did have uh, 12 receptions this year for 150 yards I mean, we saw with Kenneth Walker, who was a very good rusher in college, but didn't have very much rushing upside, or I'm sorry, receiving upside at Michigan State, that he actually, you know, was able to get enough receiving touches at in Seattle that kind of helped his production have a higher floor. So I think I, I think obviously he's a lot less talented than Kenneth Walker. Uh, and obviously he's not super big either. He's, you know, 5'11. He's at least got the weight. He's 215 pounds, so he's got a 30 BMI. He's only 20 years old, so that is also nice. He's young. Uh, he obviously, his breakout age, he, 20 years old is nothing compared to Eric Gray, 23. I mean, he's got three years on the guy. So thoughts on uh, Izzy Abanaconda, Jeremy? I think, I think he could run a pretty good 40 time, actually. His, his high school, he was, a, he was an all-state high school track runner um, in New York. He went to Abraham Lincoln High School and in the, the Bronx. So he does have pretty good speed. And like you just said, for 5'11", 215, I mean, that's, that's a big guy to be, to be running, to be running the, the kind of, the kind of 40, I, I anticipate him running. I think he probably runs like mid four fours, high four. I don't, he, uh, I think he'll be lower than four five though, for sure. I think he'll, I think he'll fill up that four four range. Um, he said 12 catches for 150 or whatever yards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a pretty good uh, yards per reception as well. Yep. So he wasn't asked to do it a ton, but when he did get the opportunity, he was efficient with the opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, 20 years old with that size, that kind of athleticism. I, I think I think Israel Abanikand is going to be uh, going to be coming, going to be moving up the boards a little bit, and if he doesn't because of how deep the class is overall at the running back position. I, I like you said, it's going to be one of the best values in the third round at, at the running back position for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you concerned in any way just that it took him until his junior year to really produce at a high level? Because it, I mean, it took the exit of Kenny Pickett who threw, you know, 500 passes for 4,300 passing yards to Keaton Slovis throwing 2,800 yards this season on 391 attempts like the, the passing volume just wasn't there, which kind of forced them to run the ball more. And that just makes me wonder, was was Izzy special enough to even be a factor before this and they just didn't choose to use him? Or is he really not as good as we might think? Do you think that's a concern at all? Um, what, what do you think, Avery? I'm not... I think... I actually think the Kenny Pickett argument is 
something that you could make an argument that is a good reason. That's helpful that, yes. for him? Yeah, okay. because, I, because I could see that side as because well. Because Kenny Pickett was such a dominant force at Pitt, and because he was being used so much, his usage rate was so high, Like I think you could make the argument that that's why Izzy wasn't getting as many touches, he wasn't he wasn't producing at that level, is because that offense was Kenny Pickett. I mean, I right. mean and, and obviously Jordan Addison as well. But... I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, once they actually had a more balanced offense in terms of, you know, passing and, and running ratios, at his first opportunity as a 20-year-old, he got his own. So I, I think I think that you could use that argument both ways. I'm Because he's only 20, I, I know it's his junior year, but he's only 20 years old, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I like him a lot more than I like Brian Robinson, and Brian Robinson didn't break out until he was like 22, 23. Been in Alabama forever, so... Again, him being twenty coming into the league, yeah, I'm fine with it. I think I, I'm not necessarily concerned. Jeremy, I don't know if you're yeah, concerned cool. about that either. I think that's still a pretty young breakout age. Different offense as well. Mark Whipple was the offensive coordinator um, during Kenny Pickett's last season, and and he left and went to Nebraska. So completely different offensive scheme. They didn't run the ball as much. Um, Keaton Slovis is obviously a cut below Kenny Pickett in terms of college quarterback. So. I think that's probably why we saw Abanacanda break out this year as opposed to last year because they just had more viable weapons to use. Yeah. So I, I, I I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it. Yeah. All right. Uh Puka Nakua. This is a guy that you guys were talking about off air and that you've watched more film on than me, so I'm gonna let you start with him and then I'll let Jeremy touch on. Okay, yeah. So uh Puka's a guy coming out of BYU. Um he was the clear alpha receiver there. Obviously his stats this past year. Um, from a from a quantity standpoint, aren't going to look amazing. Only 48 receptions and 625 yards, but again, he only played um, nine games. I, th- I think he struggled with a little bit of injury um, towards the beginning of the season. But it is um, he has a lot of skill sets that are oddly, like Jeremy has said, is oddly reminiscent of the way Debo Samuel is being used in the NFL right now, where they actually use him in the run game. I mean, he's getting upwards of six attempts um, in a game this past season for 20 yards and two touchdowns. They're giving him those carries in the red zone because he does have um, some of that speed and and explosiveness in the backfield. They can use him on jet sweeps, and it's really effective for their offense. Um, From a receiving game perspective, I mean, he's – He's a solid um, deep threat and, and 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 a big body that can really go up um, on those contested catch opportunities and bring the ball down. When I watched him, he reminded me a lot of Alec Pierce, um, and I think he could definitely build off that in the NFL. He'd be more, in my opinion, more of a project receiver. Could take him a year or two to develop um, a bit slower than some of these guys that are going to go higher up in the draft, but he's definitely – a receiver and a prospect to keep an eye on because the production um, and the and the usage is there in, in an offense that's you know not renowned for explosive plays or anything like that. But he was able to make something out of not the most opportunities at BYU. So, yeah. what Jeremy, what do you think about him? Yeah, I think you I think you covered it pretty well. I just put out a, a wide receiver thread of a bunch of advanced metrics and stuff, and I was pretty surprised with that Puka Nakua was on the majority of the top 10 um, of each category that I that I listed, particularly he had a very good deep ball receiving grade and he had a very good behind the line of scrimmage receiving grade. I think he was in the top seven of both of both of those per, per PFF. So nice. you're talking about a guy that could be a maker at many facets of, of the field in different 
different areas of it as well. So, like, you're getting Puka Nakua, like, in the fourth round yeah. of, of rookie. It's very little for a guy that has pretty good upside in terms of how he's been used in college so far. Yeah, he could easily go up. I mean, the NFL has shown time and time again that production in college is far from everything when it comes to what they're looking at and skill sets in the NFL. And Alec Pierce was probably the biggest example of that last season in the second round going, no, I don't think anyone really expected that, especially going over Sky Moore. And then you saw what he did in his in his first season as a, as a rookie receiver in a terrible offense, and he was still able to produce at a pretty impressive level for a rookie. So Yeah, absolutely. And then last on here is actually a tight end. So we've got Luke Musgrave here. Um, just looking at a mock that we are actually going to do a video on here, or have done a video on, depending on when we release these. Uh, he went at the 231 to the Eagles here. He was is where he was mocked to, which I don't really see the Eagles drafting another tight end, but uh, it's still this, the late second-round capital. Something that I've realized looking through these these mock drafts is that a lot of these tight ends are, are projected top two rounds. Like I think this is going to be a particularly talented tight end class in terms of you know getting that high draft capital. You're looking at Michael Mayer, you're looking at Dalton Kincaid, and you're looking at Luke Musgrave, uh, and, and, and there are even more. Honestly, I think there are five guys that, that have, are threats to go in the top two rounds. Do they come with burgers and fries? What did I say that? Five guys. Shut up. <laughs> Cancel this channel. <laughs> this is so dumb. Obviously, you didn't see a lot of Luke Musgrave this year. I think he only played two games, uh, and he was hurt the rest of the year. So I think that's part of the reason maybe why he's flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, he is 22. He is 6'5", 255. So he's got that great tight end size. I think he's somebody that, you know, could end up being a good sleeper pick in the third or fourth round. We saw a lot of these rookie tight ends this year end up being like good later picks because they got because value they and go up and in ADP. And you, they go way up in ADP. Yeah. I think this is going to be maybe another example of that. I think, I mean, if a, if a team like the Packers gets a, a Luke Musgrave, I mean, I think that you would, I would guess that he would be playing over Robert Tunyon at that point. But, uh, just wrap us up here, Jeremy, on your thoughts on Luke Musgrave and and what makes him appealing as a sleeper this year. Yeah, it's funny because um, my my comp for him is Dallas Goddard, so hmm. I, I thought it was interesting because the the Eagles also drafted Dallas Goddard in the second round of of an NFL draft, even though they they had Zach Ertz on the roster. Um, he's just a guy that's just he's a he's freakishly athletic for for the tight end position. So a lot of a lot of the knocks on like Michael Mayer is that. He's not athletic enough. Um, people think that he's slow and stiff and stuff. That's the exact opposite concern with Luke Musgrave is that he's able to stretch the field. He's able to do things that you want your tight end in today's NFL to do, especially as a as a fantasy option. You know, you don't really get points for pancake blocks like George Kittle. You get points for catching the ball and scoring touchdowns. So yeah. he only played the two games, but a lot of NFL teams really, really like the two games that they saw. So I, I, I like Luke Musgrave a lot, actually. I think he's a very safe pick. I think I think while you see rookie wide receivers are safe picks, I think a lot of times you see picking these rookie tight ends will have some big reward. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we did a video on tight ends and how to value them. The, the tight ends under 25, a lot of times you're not wanting to heavily invest in those and use those guys as your uh, bell cow tight ends on your dynasty teams. So, I mean, I think even if you've got third or fourth round picks as a contender, you can pick up guys like this that are tight ends that have good draft capital and then sell them for something, you know, much greater come time. And even if you wanted to get them three years later, probably you could for the same price. So yep. uh, just that's kind of the nature of the tight end position right now in dynasty. But that kind of wraps us up. These are some guys that we thought, you know, at the current moment could be sleepers. Hopefully we look back in a year and we're like, wow, we were geniuses. 
But <laughs> the more likely scenario is we're going to look back in the year and be like, wow, we were meatheads. But we'll see. I think I think let us know in the comments if you think that uh, any of these guys are sleepers. Let us know in the comments if you even know who any of these guys are because I can confidently tell you that I had to do my research on a couple of these guys prior to this video. So um, if you think we're missing anybody, let us know who you also think are sleepers in this year's draft. We'd love to hear some of the in-depth Dynasty Rookie content from you guys as well. Uh, make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're going to come out with all kinds of Dynasty content for the rest of the offseason, so make sure you jump on there as well. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you later.